0: What they know about them Texas boys. You're listening to the most dangerous show in Texas. Fight Night on 104.9 The Horn.
1: Wherever you are, however you may be listening, it is now Fight Night. Welcome to Fight Night on 104.9 The Horn, hornfm.com. I'm your host, Eddie Cross. You can find me on Twitter, at EddieExperience, one E in the middle. And joining me as always luke thomas stole his halloween costume it's mr jordan Wahlberger. jordan i just want to tell luke and the morning combat nation fight
2: night did it first yes you can call me jordan s pumpkins i have the suit i have worn it before and i thought about having like a halloween costume on uh as we do this but no one's ever going to see this and, and i don't like you no, you no. To, to do that tonight yeah we we do not uh air this part So, Eddie, it's great to see you. You can follow us at Fight Night ATX on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook. You can find me at Nonstop MMA. Eddie, it was uh, what a weekend, man. You had Halloween weekend. My weekend was full of of trunk or treats, of Halloween parties. Say, trunk or treat? Trunk or treat. That's where you go to the church, right? I I don't know if you saw on Monday morning, RC of DC and RC. He was talking about his religious upbringing and how he wasn't allowed to go trick-or-treating. He would go trunk-or-treating where people fill the back of their cars up and make them spooky. And then you go around to the back of their cars and uh, you get candy out of, their, uh, out of the back of their cars. That by itself sounds even creepier than Halloween. Well, I mean, you just go in a group and like, you just go in one parking lot and then you just knock it out and then you're done.
1: Okay. Well, all right.
2: It works. Lydia, she got so much, I think like multiple bowls worth of candy. Uh, there's no way that I'm allowed her to eat all that. And, and I, I can't even, <laughs> I've eaten so much candy out of her bowl already. And like, there's not even like a dent. Jordan, you got to slow yourself down, man. I don't even. I can't. I, I'm done. Like, I mean, I love. I mean, Eddie, what, what is the best? What's the best Halloween candy?
1: Okay. Everyone's going to hate me when I say this. And that's
2: not going to change. It's not going to be any different from how they feel about you already.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. I love the uh, marshmallow peanut, the circus peanuts. Ew.
2: Yeah, is that like in like people put them together like in in like a in a baggie and then they just like zip tie it and give it to you? Like, do they actually sell those together?
1: I I just just buy them off the shelf, man. Or do you
2: want pennies? Like that's like that's right up there with like pennies or or like gum, Eddie.
1: Well, dude, I'm like I'm 45. I haven't been trick or treating in like 40 years.
2: You don't have nieces that you go trick or treating with or anyone else?
1: No, my niece is 15 and she lives uh, on the other side of Houston. You know, I got cousins in Waco area, but that's too far to go.
2: So no. You have, when, did anyone go to your house? Did, did anyone go try to get candy from you at your house on uh, your apartment on Monday? Yeah. Oh, well, my
1: my place. I thought you meant it as a kid. Yeah. No, uh, no. No. No one came by. And I wouldn't have answered the door.
2: Okay. No one came by here either. What? No one no. came by the compound. No. They're probably scared off by the fox. No. Well, maybe it's it's kind of a it's a long way off the road, so they have to. It's a long it's a long trip to you know if no one's there. They're, they're they not, have to go up the creepy drive. They're not making the uh, the worst not worth the risk there. And you know what? I agree with them. So and
1: you probably have like bite sized candy. You won't do the full size. No,
2: we get, my daughters they got so many like the kids got so much full size candy bars this year. People went people went all out. Wow, it's big time. Well, good good luck with those sugar rushes for the next month. Yes, I know. We got we to get rid of. That. We're going to donate that candy somewhere. Uh, Eddie, I think your wife's going to just like dump it somewhere. It, she has to. I sent you a picture over the weekend. You told me you wanted to see the picture. Of the mount that I have of uh, of the horns in the patio, what did you think of the mount?
1: Um, The mounting was well done. Uh, The picture you chose to send, um, it was uh, 100% Jordan.
2: (laughs) What was happening in the picture?
1: Look, man. Oh, by the way, you called yourself a true Texan.
2: No, I don't know. I mean, I did, but
1: then then you didn't capitalize the T in Texan. Oh, so your section card is still... Revoked p- again? Revoked. Yeah. Uh, but well, we'll say pending. But tell
2: yeah. me about the picture that I sent.
1: Uh, it is a picture of... Uh, who was that? Uh, someone scoring a touchdown against the Bears on Sunday. Number one, the game that I didn't get credentialed for. Yes. Number two, the Bears lost by 20. Yes. But they did wear orange while the Cowboys were in blue, so that was pretty cool.
2: Yeah. Uh, very, lots yeah, of. We found
1: an offense, but we lost defense.
2: Lots of levels. Lots of levels to that troll job right there.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. You very like much that. so. Yeah. It's so. classic, Jordan. Yeah. But, dude, I had an emotional roller coaster of a weekend. Okay, listen to this. It starts Friday. The Astros lose game one or six to five comeback.
2: Looks like I picked the wrong week. To quit smoking.
1: Saturday, the Astros win game two. So, okay, we're back to, back to uh, even. Things are good. Texas isn't playing, No anxiety there. But then Saturday night, one we'll get to this soon. Anderson Silva loses to Jake Paul. It's like right, I picked the wrong week to quit drinking. Sunday morning, okay. Sunday noon, the Bears lose to the Cowboys, and I watch this at my friend's place, uh, who is a die-hard Cowboys fan. We found an offense, but now the defense sucks.
2: Looks like I picked the wrong week to quit
1: Sunday night, though. I get to see the, Rose, the Thug Rose premiere at the Austin Film Festival. And that was pretty fun. And we'll have an interview uh, with Rose coming up shortly. But I do want to know, where were you, Joe Rogan? I was the second most famous bald guy in the uh, whole theater. Where were you? And, but then Monday, after this great high of this cool premiere and all this fun, the Bears trade Roquan Smith.
3: I picked the wrong week to quit sniffing blue.
1: Second leading tackler in the NFL. All-pro, future Hall of Famer possibly. We trade him away for a bag of chips. But I guess I had a decent fantasy weekend. But I, I don't know if I can take this. I, I need to start. I need some gummies or something. Wow.
2: Eddie, that, that does seem like quite the weekend. A lot going on. And and then Monday, the Astros and the Phillies game gets postponed for rain.
1: Oh, yeah. That, that one you just kept you, me you even didn't even so. mention I mean, that either. So I guess, yeah. Well, there was no anxiety with that one because it happened you know well before it was set to start. Yeah. And also, it's probably a good thing. You know, Astros uh, play indoors. So, inclement weather, we're going to wait. I like it. By the way, check out my new uh, acquisition.
2: Oh, very nice. It's a ring for an uh, AL champion. That's exciting. Uh, Eddie, this last year's AL championship. We've got to get into this. Uh, do
0: this we broke have to? your heart. We do. This, we I, can't I wait any longer.
2: To. Jake Paul broke Eddie's heart this w- last weekend. Saturday night. Certainly ruined my weekend. Jake Paul defeats Anderson Silva, Anderson. Gosh, that was rough. And, and Eddie, I know that you were very bullish. Anderson was going to knock him out. Anderson. There's no way that Anderson Silva is going to lose to Jake Paul. Well, it happened. And anyway, on my scorecard, I know there's some controversy. I don't like the 78, 73 scorecard. I don't agree with that. I actually had, you know, I had Jake Paul winning the fight. I had it four, three going into that eighth round. I had eight 4-3 Anderson, but the knockdown flips it right. The knockdown yeah. seals the victory. Clear victory for Jake Paul in my book. So how did you have it?
1: It's pretty much the same, and the fact that Anderson gave away round one, which he normally does, though, it tells you a lot. So it could have gone the other way easily. And there was also the issue of the broken nose. I noticed in the third round, it looked like Anderson's nose was, like, it was kind of flat. And I'm looking at the TV, I'm like, is that just in my head? But then he comes out for the fourth, and his nose is just pouring blood. I'm like, oh, no, yeah, it's broken. But I couldn't remember there being a big shot for that to happen, so it must have been a headbutt. And there were several later on, so I was like, yeah, it was probably just a headbutt. But it doesn't matter because that's exactly where he got tagged in the, four, in the uh, eighth round for the knockdown, like right right in the middle of his face. It may have caught him a little bit off balance, but it, it doesn't matter. It was, um, and that flipped it.
2: It was, it was a, unfortunately, right, as, as an MMA fan, it was a legitimate win. We can't come here and say, oh, it was a robbery or Anderson, you know, he deserved to win that fight. He didn't. Jake Paul won that fight. And unfortunately, like, Jake Paul keeps going. The Jake Paul train keeps going. And now you wonder, like, what do you do next? Like, what happens? Like, is he going to – he's picked a fight with MMA and he's picking the right people over and over again. He is.
1: And um,
2: his next opponent, well, if –
1: it depends on what happens – is also going to be a lot smaller than him, which is
2: right up his alley. Yeah, I mean, if it's Nate Diaz, so after the fight, he calls out Nate Diaz. He calls out Canelo. Canelo's not going to happen. That's there's, that's and also worry about that. Canelo's also a lot smaller than him, but it's yeah. not. It's never going to happen. That's not going to happen. But Nate Diaz, we got to figure out what's going to happen with Nate Diaz. Nate Diaz is still under his matching period with the UFC. He's got, or excuse me, his his no compete clause, right? So he's got three months of not. He can't talk to anybody. And the UFC is enforcing that. Sometimes they don't do it. They're doing it with Nate. But then they have a year to match. So if the UFC wants to kind of tie him up and keep him from fighting for a full year, they might be able to do that. So we'll see. So maybe that fight is not next. But you've got to think there's a date between Jake Paul and, and uh, Nate Diaz at some point in the future.
1: And you got to think after this result, the UFC is in no rush to let one of their former fighters face Jake Paul again. If Anderson had won, you know, they'd be like, yeah, sure. Let Nate have him next and piece him up. But now they're just like, how does that still make us look? Yeah, not great. So you got to wonder. But I got to say, Jordan, I was insulted.
2: Yes. How? By you. Oh, dear.
1: Insinuating that I would go along with these conspiracy theories on Twitter that somehow Anderson threw the fight. I'm like, that made me more upset than uh, Jake Paul winning. I'm like, come on, man.
2: Well, you know I'm not one of those crazies. Well, well, the one thing I look at, Eddie, is is with one person that I identify you with, it's Dylan Dennis, right? And, oh, so, D- of- and so Dylan Dennis out there is com- saying that, hey, uh, Anderson didn't even get hit and he went down. And I was just waiting. I'm waiting for Eddie to be like, oh, he did-. and I wasn't going to say like he got paid off or anything. But I, you know, I was waiting for you to be like, well, Anderson's 47 years old, which that doesn't work anymore because when the fight got announced, we, Jake even said, like, I don't want to fight Anderson because people are going to say, oh, he's 47 years old. And what we said is it doesn't matter. He's going to, Anderson is going to mop the floor with him. I don't care if he's 47. He's faster than him. He's better boxer than him. So look what he did to Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. Like, that's what's going to happen again. So we can't come back as MMA fans and be like, oh no, Anderson's 47. Like, it doesn't work that way because... We said that before going in there that we didn't care, that we knew going into the fight that he was 47. And Eddie, I, I know you love Anderson Silva, and I know all the excuses that you made after the Chris Weidman fights. So I just had to get... I made I, no excuses I had after to build Chris Weidman in. fights. I had to build those excuses, get, get them away before you even mentioned them.
1: Dude, I made no excuses after Chris Weidman fights. I've always said he deserved to lose the first one because he was clowning around too much and he got caught. Second one. Well, it was just a, a disgusting broken leg. There's nothing to say about that. So, I am insulted, Jordan, that you take your trolling so to heart that you believe it. Well, you know better. I like to call Eddie sometimes You know, you know better. Eddie, Jordan. you know better. Dylan
2: Cross. That's what I call him. I mean, that's when I don't see him, that's what also, I call him. Also, who
1: would know less about getting hit in a fight than Dylan Dennis? That's
2: probably true. That is true. <laughs> uh, one thing that's interesting, so there's a new kind of curveball in this, right? The uh this bet that they made before the fight, which was obviously choreographed, uh, yeah. and like you know, I thought you were going to say the dancing. Well, the dancing. We talked about that last week. But that's At least Anderson won something. Yes, uh, he said if Silva wins, Paul will face Silva in kickboxing. But if Paul wins, Silva will join Paul to create an MMA fighters association. Um, obviously, Silva agreed to do it, and so we're going to see. He actually, Jake actually invited Nate and Connor to both join in. The, fighter, the United Fighters Association. So maybe it's Tommy Fury next. Maybe it's Nate Diaz next. Uh, he talked about Floyd Mayweather. Uh, we'll see what's going to happen. Nate team, Nate's team and Jake's team did get in an altercation backstage. Uh, a couple other things on the night, Eddie. Uh, Uriah Hall defeated Le'Veon Bell. Uh, Chris Avila, yeah. uh, he beat Dr. Mike. Dr. Mike's not very good. <laughs> um, Sorry, there's just... What
1: are we doing in the world that there's, like, the sexy doctor doctors boxing yeah. what is wrong with this place i had a friend in a hellscape.
2: i had a friend who attended the fight i talked to him tonight and he said that it was very much an mma crowd and uh, he was in a suite two suites down from nate diaz and uh, he said that you know it was a very pro silva crowd so
1: yes it was you could tell just listening all right let's to the crowd let's jump out.
2: in real quick lomachenko he defeats uh, ortiz that happened J- jermaine uh, ortiz tell us about uh, What else do we need to know?
1: Well, Jermaine Ortiz has proved that he belongs at this level. You know, this wasn't like a showcase fight for Loma coming back off his uh, military service. But this is a real fight, and Ortiz put in real work, and Loma had to work to win this fight. Uh, But hopefully we'll see Lomachenko facing Devin Haney uh, next year for the uh, Undisputed Lightweight titles, and that will be gangbusters.
2: Hey, you mentioned that this was not a showcase fight, but Katie Taylor did have a showcase fight. Talk about that.
1: Yeah, it was for her undisputed titles, but it was against a woman who had never fought outside of South America, maybe outside of uh, was Argentina, I believe. Um, and so, yeah, this was, um, I mean, she didn't go away, but this was a pretty easy mop-up job for Katie Taylor. Yeah, and she, it's funny, like, she wants the Amanda Serrano matchup next. I mean, it's funny that she's calling for it because she won their first matchup, but uh, she deserves to have that huge fight back home in a stadium. And that's what they're talking about back in Ireland. Croke Park. That should be her biggest moneymaker ever. Yeah. Yeah. So she deserves that. So
2: let it happen. All right. So that's the boxing. Let's jump over to MMA. So there's UFC Fight Night 213. Arnold Allen defeats Calvin Cater. This was an unfortunate way for the fight to end. Uh, Calvin Cater, he injured his knee at the end of the first round. Uh, He was going for a flying knee, kind of impressive. And then in between rounds, I, I saw him. He told his corner, "Hey, he wasn't sure about how the knee was gonna, and how it was." He comes back out. He takes a calf kick. He can't continue, and the fight's over. Uh, I mean, he he was trying to step back on that knee, and he just couldn't do it. And I mean, it showed the toughness for Calvin Cater, uh, but it just shows like it's unfortunate because I think Arnold Allen actually did win that first round. Uh, but you know, when you have Cater losing the fight in that way. In a way that, like, Arnold Allen actually didn't do it. He didn't cause the injury because it was more of a flying, kind of trying to be a flying knee that he landed back on it wrong. It's just an unfortunate way because even Allen's after the fight, he's like, I can't call for a title shot now. It's, it's just unfortunate. It really is just unfortunate all the way around. And so no one wins in this situation.
1: And even the other featherweight fighters who are waiting in line, they don't win either. You, don't, you have no clarity in the division. So now they're talking about a possible interim title, while Volkanovski is fighting for the lightweight title. Mm-hmm. But now you
2: got three contenders. Who do you choose? Well, what's tough, right? Brian Ortega, you know that that fight. Yair Rodriguez won the fight off an injury to Brian Ortega, right? So that's kind of crazy. This is kind of happening in the in the featherweight division. You've got Josh Emmett. So you're talking you're talking Yair Rodriguez, Josh Emmett, and now you have Arnold Allen. Arnold Allen has won ten fights in a row. Uh, gosh, you wonder, I mean, obviously Max Holloway is ranked higher, but we're not exactly sure. Uh, you know, Max is, I think he's coming off that second loss to, to Volkanovsky. Um, and so maybe we won't see, he's obviously not going to get a title shot at any time soon. Uh, I don't know, right? You know, Volk was asked like, hey, are you worried about holding up the division? and uh, And his response was, hey, the division's holding me up. I want to fight. These guys just can't determine who the number one contender is. So, you know, I don't know if I love the idea of a, of a number one contender's fight. Excuse me, an interim title fight. I do like the idea of, of a clear-cut number one contender's fight. And I don't know, do you do Yair versus Arnold Allen, who's gone a great winning streak right now? Maybe that's the way you go. And I know it leaves out Josh Emmett. I'm an Emmett fan, and I think we need to strike with him while the iron's
1: hot because he's not getting any younger. He man. is not. Um, Also, he's the only one to have clearly beaten someone, close as it may have been. So I think he's one, and then you have to pick between the other two. Um, But I saw a post a while back that said the UFC should make all their interim titles silver, and I love that idea.
2: Yeah. Next time we talk to Dana, let's position it.
1: Let's do it. Because maybe if you have something that differentiates the belts – you won't get fighters uh, acting like they're embarrassed to have it or throwing it on the mat, saying they don't want this garbage, things like that. But if you make it look different, it's a diff- to show that it is something else, and then merchandising, you can sell that. You know, you got a diff- something different to do with the posters because, Lord knows, they need help
2: with their uh, poster artwork. I like it, and you have a gold and a silver on the on the poster. Yep. Okay, yeah. I like it. Uh, all right, miscellaneous, real quick. Trayshawn Gore he defeats uh, Josh Fremd. Uh, man, did you see – I mean, he caught him with a guillotine as he was trying to come in. And then, like, Frem tried to jump out of it, and it only got – he he put him all the way out. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Uh, Steve Garcia, he brutalized Chase Harper, Chase Hooper. Uh, I think he knocked him down like four times in less than 90 seconds. Herb Dean steps in. Hooper's face was all busted up. This was a rude awakening for Chase Hooper.
1: Yeah, Chase Hooper needs to um, maybe drop down to LFA – and lift a lot of weights. He still looks like he's 13 years old fighting. And
2: just underdeveloped. Yeah. So he, he needs a lot of work. All right. Phil Haas looked uh, He looked like he blew his knee out in the fight from a knee bar. Gosh, he was able Some to continue news, on. Man. But Delice, he gets the win with a knockout. But he almost let Haas back into that fight. He actually, when he saw the injury, he backed up. And even like Dan Murgliato, like came in and like looked like he pushed him back a little bit too. Which you would think the fight would be stopped. But thankfully, the right person won that. Dolizze gets a big knockout win. Uh, also, Max Griffin, Khalil Roundtree, and uh, oh, yeah. and Marcos Rogerio de Lima. They all got wins. And, and just real quick, over in Bellator, uh, Mansoir Barnau, he defeats Adam Piccolati. Uh, Fabian Edwards defeated Charlie Ward. Now, is it Mansoir or Mansoor? I don't know.
1: Because I got this whole WWE uh, Maximum Male Models thing stuck in my head. And they changed the uh, guy named as Mansour to Mansoir. And I don't know which, I forget which is which.
2: All right, man. That is Bellator 287. That is UFC Fight Night 213. And that is Eddie's Heart Being Broken by Jake Paul when he defeated Anderson Silva. Guys, you're listening to Fight Night right here on 104.9 The Horn, hornfm.com, and we will be right back. Joining us now on the Vaqueros Cafe and Cantina hotline, right here in Austin, Texas, the former two-time UFC strawweight champion and the subject of the brand new documentary *Thug Rose*, mixed martial artist Rose Namajunas, and the documentary filmmaker Marius Markeviches. Did I get it right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> yes. Very good. I, I apologize. Well, welcome, guys. Thank you so much for uh, for joining our show. But well, welcome to Fight Night. Yeah.
3: Thank Great. you for having us. Thank
2: you. Well, this is exciting. So, Thug Rose, mixed martial artist, it debuts tonight here at the Austin Film Festival. Then it's going to be available on UFC Fight Pass. How did you guys end up at the at the Austin Film Festival? How did you decide that this was the place to debut your documentary?
0: Um, well, it's it's been a quite a long journey. Uh, we started in twenty seventeen when I first reached out to Rose, and um, you know, I'm very grateful that she and Pat uh, Pat Barry they gave us you know this great access to tell her story and spent you know a lot of time and. A lot of blood, sweat and tears and, and an interesting journey. And then, yeah, we, we completed the film earlier this year and, and, and applied to some film festivals. And when we got the news that it was accepted to Austin, that was just a no-brainer. I mean, it was super exciting news. And um, it was it happened to be um, just before the, the streaming release of the film, which will be on, on, on UFC's Fight Pass Network on November 9th. Um, and so, yeah, the timing, everything just lined up perfectly. And the fact that, you know, Austin... Film festivals coming off of two years of, of COVID, and now it's back in person. We get to finally we get to see the film on a big screen, which is just incredibly special these days. You know, it's very it's getting more rare, especially for documentaries. So we're very happy to be at the festival. I'm excited for tonight.
2: Yeah, that, that's great, Marius. How did you actually get involved? Why Why did you reach out to Rose and to Pat to and obviously to want to tell her story?
0: Well, I you know Rose had become champion in 2017, and and I was well aware of, of her. Um, um, but yeah, and she became a champ. And I, I researched a little more about her life and background. And I already knew that she she was of Lithuanian descent, which I am too. We're both uh, both our families are are from Lithuania. We're first generation uh, Lithuanian American immigrants, and so we share a lot of kind of cultural history. And um and and I knew that that was an important part of of her life story. And I wanted to infuse that into into this documentary. So when I reached out to her, I, it seemed like we you know connected and clicked on a lot of levels. And, and like I said, we're grateful that, that she, uh, you know, let us into her world.
2: Yeah. Rose, tell us about this, you know, this decision for you, why did you want to let Marius in, into your life? And then, and eventually everyone into your life to, to learn more about you and to, to find out more about you.
3: Um, I feel like I've always felt misunderstood my whole life, but, (laughs) um, you know, I think, uh, it's, it's one of those things where, uh, like he was saying we have we share a lot of things in common and so it it just was a matter of time before i've always wanted to you know let the fans in just a little more just to understand me a little bit better um but it it just never was the right time it's always like kind of challenging because i am you know sometimes an introvert and things like that so it just it just uh lined up perfectly when you know we had met and um you know the chemistry was there so it just it, it fit you know and um it, it was a lot of challenges along the way. We've we've had many moments where I thought like, uh, maybe this isn't going to happen or whatever, and then we just you know get started again or whatever, and lot, just life happens and whatnot. So uh, I'm I'm very grateful to be sitting here.
2: What has this process been like? What was what what were like the difficult things you discovered? You know, maybe about yourself or or just about this process during this rose.
3: Um, I would say. Well, I guess it's, um, I mean, a lot of it was difficult, I guess, just, um, persevering through the times where, uh, you know, just being, I guess, such an open book and just kind of opening people up to some personal, uh, personal topics and things like that. But I always, I always was inspired just because, um, I want to, I know that it's a story that needs to be told that could help a lot of people. And. Um, so that's kind of what makes it worth it. Um, so so, yeah, like I think being in the public eye is, is a very challenging thing. But when people genuine people come up to you and they like tell you how much that, you know, their uh, their story has inspired them or that you've like changed their life and all these dramatic things. It's like it just makes it uh, all the like everything worth it.
2: What I, I agree, I think I think your story, I mean, we've we've known you. In the, in the public eye for a long time. I mean, since the early days on Tough, Dana White, you know, he talked about you. He hyped you up. You had a lot of pressure on you. And I want to get to that pressure in, in a little bit. But what's something that that something will people will learn about you that maybe they don't see in the UFC or in, in your interviews? What's something that the documentary will, will, will teach them about you or, or show them about you that they, they just they don't know before?
3: Um, I think... I don't know if it's maybe not that people wouldn't know about me. I guess it's maybe uh it would it might explain you know certain behaviors or certain like just the like my my emotional side a little bit more because it is uh there is a lot <laughs> um uh i guess just on my shoulders and like there's a lot of baggage that, like from my history that i carry with me but i choose to carry with me because my ancestors like i have an ancestry of people that you know died just to keep uh lithuanian language alive and just different things like that so I, um, I, I, I take it as like a responsibility that can be difficult, but I, but I, i pr- I proudly do that. And so maybe that's just, maybe more of like my cultural background is something that gets to be shown a little bit more. I mean, I've talked about it before and people that follow me, um, no, but I think I would say out of everything, you know, my family history, like, and, and whatnot is like, I think, People are going to know more about Lithuania after this documentary.
2: I think, I think that's great, and it's a great for, a way for people to learn a about you, but learn about you know the Lithuanian culture, which I think is great. Mars, I want to go back to you. You know, you've been you've done other projects before. What was different about this project for you compared to some of the other projects that you've done before?
0: Um, well, each film, of course, is just a, a totally different uh, experience and deep dive into into whatever subject you're going after. And I've done narrative scripted films, but I've done a couple of documentaries and. And you know, this one was just you know a fascinating journey into, you know, the inner workings of, of Rose's life and, and and mind and emotions. And um, again, I think she mentioned that a lot of the topics that were covered, they're not they weren't the first time they were covered, but they this this time um, I think Rose went deeper um, and more you know was was more honest and open and emotional than than ever before in in other interviews, other pieces, and um, so you know that was. That was a, a, a great thing. And, and we, you know, again, we appreciate so much her honesty and the access that, that she gave because it's such a difficult balance when you're in the sport and you're, you know, out there fighting and, and in a, in a sort of dangerous sport. And, and, um, the focus has to be on that, on protecting yourself and performing, but to then at the same time allow these cameras and which can sometimes obviously be an intrusion. Um, you know, that we had to, we had to make that balance work. Um, but I was just in the end, my mind was blown at how, you know, the intensity of of what these athletes go through and and you know, experiencing fight uh, the fight week itself um in Madison Square Garden and you know, just what the, what they go through um day by day was quite quite remarkable to see and quite visceral. I mean I was I was terrified that night. I had butterflies and felt like faint like before she was going out to the ring. Um so yeah, I'd never really felt that before. As a filmmaker,
2: and 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 just so I understand, what's the time frame of the filming? Right. So when are when are you begin? So you, I think you had mentioned earlier that you talked to her after she had won the title the first time. Um, when did you mm-hmm. when did you film and when did you finish filming the documentary?
0: Well, yeah, we met in twenty seventeen, and and we did um, some some initial interviews. And and as it, as it goes with documentary filmmaking, it's all, it's a long process. Sometimes you know financing is difficult. Um, so we we were shooting and and seeking financing at the same time and ultimately that all came together um the UFC um you know and, ended up financing the film and and that was you know that was our big breakthrough so we then got to kind of you know increase the amount of time that we were spending with Rose and and the travel and um but yeah it was essentially a five-year journey and we just finished editing the film you know earlier this year um and applied to you know to Austin and you know, we're very, very happy to be here and have the movie on on a a big screen.
2: That's great, Rose. So we talked about the pressure. Sometimes you put your pressure on yourself, other people put pressure on you. One of my favorite moments, and I think people love this about you, right? The openness, but like you walking to the cage, I'm the best, I'm the best. I'm the best. And, and and we love that. And and I love that about you. Did you what what did this documentary knowing that they were there with you? And and I looking at those 5 years, I mean, there's a lot of different fights and there were some highs and there were some lows during those times obviously. Um, how did that extra pressure? How did you deal with that kind of pressure? A the documentary and just just dealing with the pressure in person in in, in general? Uh
3: definitely uh it was it was not easy. Uh there were times where I you know, there were, there were many times where I didn't feel like I could do it, but, um, I just have God on my side. I was just, whenever I can't, uh, when I feel like I, I can't do something, I just put it on him and, and he somehow, he <laughs> gets me through. I think it's just, I was saying this before, I feel like it's just kind of what keeps me humble. Like, um, I, I've been given these gifts, but, um, I've also been given a thorn in my side, you know, of like, just being, uh, having dealing with that pressure and it being difficult, but it's, it's this crazy, crazy thing that I've, that I've been dealt with, but I probably take it on. And um, I know that I can do a lot of cool things with it. So
0: I just, just keep going. I think I want to add something that I'm the best, like the, I, how someone can say I'm the best with humility is, is what I think is amazing about Rose. <laughs> and when you watch the film, um, hopefully, you know, it, it it sort of explains how that's possible because it sounds impossible for someone to repeat to themselves over and over. I'm the best, I'm the best, but to do it with humility and humbleness and somehow Rose pulls off that beat and it's sort of unexplainable. In fact, I don't know if I told you, I wanted the, one of the titles, potential titles for the film was I'm the best. <laughs> and then I just, we thought, we thought about like people might just, just misperceive mis- mis- that yeah. if they don't know Rose, mis- if mis- they don't it. know the context, it it just seems like arrogant you know yeah. so we we you know veered off of that but i still you know i still of course it's love cool. the um the thematic role that I'm the best plays in
3: the
2: film. <laughs> I mean, I think, it, I mean, Rose has these great moments, right? You have the first wanna fight when she is reciting the Lord's Prayer in her face, right? I mean, just these great moments, Rose, for you and mm-hmm. and and capturing these moments that you've had in the last five years will be fantastic. What do you want? And, and you've been open, right? And, and, and Marius, you mentioned that she's talked about some of these experiences before, but never in this kind of depth. What are you hoping that people will gain and or learn just maybe about themselves and what will they take away from, from watching this documentary?
3: Um. I would say that like the biggest thing that I've learned and the thing that I try to keep it, sometimes it is hard to remember, but it's just like, just knowing um, God's like will for my life and, and just staying in, in line with that is what allows me to do great things. Anytime that I veered away from that or, you know, become distracted or let certain things in that, um, you know, that's a, you know, not good. That's, that's when I wasn't successful, but the times were, you know, like that is partially what all those affirmations and things like it's, it's putting on that mental armor. Like it's, it's uh, making sure that you're constantly, uh, you know, fortifying your, you know, your, your mind. And, and uh, cause, cause yeah, every day you, you gotta, you gotta do, it's a daily thing. So, so that is something that I hope people can draw from and kind of learn that, um, you know, it's okay to have um certain flaws and things, but you can, you can work on them and you can, you can strengthen those things.
2: Yeah, I, I totally agree. And I, and I appreciate you sharing that. And, and I think one of the great things about the documentary, right, is that it's going to let people know and get into the more beyond your life. Right. I mean, I think we've seen on embedded, you play the piano, you you are an accomplished pianist. Um You have, a, yeah. you, you like farming, you like the outdoors. Like what are, what do you farm?
3: Um, just about everything. Um, I, this past year, we uh it's funny i i've been a community garden member um down the street from where we live um and yeah i've i've uh i've been the a member from there like for a few years now and the last year or last season i was like man i'm i'm gonna i'm gonna like focus on just training and stuff like that I don't think I can go back because it's sometimes it, it can be a lot um, to manage and stuff and then this last season they were like hey do you want to also you know get an a 100 100 or 100 by 50 feet plot you know that you want to grow on and I'm like dang it now I, <laughs> I can't say no to that you know so it's, uh, it's something that uh, goes really hand in hand with um, with martial arts and things like that, like, I feel like, it makes me feel like I'm a samurai or something that's just, like, tending to their garden, and then, you know, whenever, you know, uh, you know, just get, whenever the time get, it, uh, comes when you gotta get ready for war, that's when you go to train and stuff, so that's just, like, my, um, my balance that I have from, like, martial arts, where it's all about, like, dominating and destroy and try to dominate your opponent, control your opponent, to, like, the flip side is, like, Planting in a garden you really have only so much control and you kind of just have to but you're creating something and you're you're uh, basically you know what people say like printing your own money like it's it's the it's the greatest um i think it's the greatest thing is is uh i, I grow beets carrots potatoes cabbage beans um we've even grown A broom called it's. It comes from this plant called broom corn Anyway, (laughs) yeah. So we've done everything: cucumbers, tomatoes, all that stuff.
2: Well, that's that's inspiring. We're we're just my family. We're just about to get into chickens. So that's uh, but that's that's exciting. Oh, that'd
3: be cool. Yeah, I want to get into that too. (laughs) Awesome.
2: Well, Rose, what what's next for you? Right, you're the former two-time you know strawweight champion. I can't imagine this is not the end. You know, this documentary does not encapsulate your career. You have you have fights ahead. What when when are we going to see you fight next?
3: Um, I'm not sure yet. Um. This was this was a big, you know, chapter um, that is coming to an end. So I kind of just want to let the dust dust settle from here and sort of just reevaluate everything. Um, I'll have a better idea probably by the end of the year what's what's coming up next. But I do I had the idea of like I'm getting into some grappling matches and things like that, um, and just kind of starting from there, and then I'll I'll know better going forward. All right. Well,
2: I hope personally, I hope that this is not the last time that we've seen you in the UFC, and obviously we'll be interested to to, to watch the film and to learn more about you, Marius and uh, and Rose. Thank you so much for the time. Thanks for joining us on Fight Night. Best of luck tonight with the debut. Thank you so
3: much. Thank
2: you. All right, guys, have a great night, and uh, and and we'll talk to you again. Well, special thanks to Rose and to Marius and Eddie. You were actually at the documentary premiere. You were you were complaining last week how the red carpet ticket must have gotten lost in the mail. But sure enough, Eddie, The Invitation shows up. And, and by the look of your Instagram and our Instagram, you were there. Yes, by the look of it, I was there. And um, it was a really good movie.
1: I thought they were going to delve more into what happened her, what happened when she was a kid. You know, talk about the rough upbringing. Um, there's one point she says, um, she's walking through her old neighborhood. And she says, I watched someone get stabbed right there. And I'm like, oh, this is going to be good. And then they just move on. And I'm like, no, I wanted that one.
2: You wanted to find out more?
1: Yeah, I wanted to find out about the stabbings. Uh, She said their car got stolen, her bike got stolen. I'm like, tell me about this stuff. How many more stabbings? Any more shootings? Because they said that those kind of things happened in her neighborhood. But they didn't really go into them. They did later on go into um, the abuse from her stepfather. But that's not near as much fun.
2: No, that's that's not fun at all. Not, so not at all. It, so yeah. it was at the stateside, right? And so was it? Was, was yes. it full? Was it crowded? Like, was there enough people there? What would you think? Uh, when I
1: first got there, there weren't many. But then, as we sat waiting, it had really filled up. And the way that it's set up, when they bring the projector in, so like the first well, six, seven rows of the theater, you can't really sit in unless you're uh, unless you want to strain your neck like the first row of a movie theater. And then they had three rows. Reserved for Rose and her party, other UFC people, camera people, um, people that worked on the documentary.
2: But above that, it was pretty full. Okay. Besides Rose and Pat, right? Did you recognize anybody else? Was it any like UFC people that you recognized, or no? And and that's my thing, man. Where was Joe Rogan?
1: Rose Namajunas is premiering her documentary in the town that you have adopted, and you're nowhere to be found. I'm the most um,
2: you better watch what second, you're about to second
1: say most, Second most famous bald man in the theater
2: Okay, Pat Berry being the first? Ba- yes, yeah And you would say like the fourth most famous bald person Because Rose obviously bald as well She is not bald Well, she's She got has a- hair It's just very short Very, very short <laughs> You sexist No, I mean, <laughs> she looks great
1: Yeah, she does um, And you can see these pictures on our Instagram At Fight Night ATX and, no, it was a fun event. It was a, it was a great story. It tells about um, how she started off. You, did you know she ran cross country?
2: I did know that she ran cross country. Did you know that she's yeah. a concert pianist?
1: I did know. And there's a the great opening to the movie where she walks out onto a stage and starts playing, um, I think, her favorite uh, piano piece. I forget the name of it. And then they would show her highlights to the tune of her playing this piece. And that's the opening of the movie. I'm like... That was a great move.
2: Yeah, that is really cool. Yeah.
1: Then it goes into, you know, her upbringing, how she started fighting um, and how she grew through her uh, fighting career up to winning the title, up to losing the title. Oh, uh, first, there was the Ultimate Fighter, obviously. There's one spot spot where she talks about how much she likes to hurt people on the Ultimate Fighter. They asked her about that in the Q&A later on. That was pretty interesting. I was disappointed that they didn't go into the Conor McGregor bus thing. See how that affected her. That was about the only thing they left out that I wanted to
2: see. Yeah, that would have been interesting. So overall, Eddie, when this comes out, so it's going to be available now on Wednesday, November 9th. It's going to be available on UFC Fight Pass. You're saying this gets the Eddie Cross stamp of approval. You would recommend people go see it. I do recommend
1: you see it. I don't know what Fight Pass costs these days, but it's enough for... uh, This movie is good
2: enough to pay for one month to watch Thug Rose. Perfect. All right, Right. guys. Well, that was Thug Rose, mixed martial artist. That was the the subject of it. Rose Nama Yunus and uh, and Marius. Thank you so much uh, again, Rose and and Eddie. I'm glad you had a good time at the show, guys. We're going to come back. We're going to preview UFC Vegas. I want to say 214. We've got a little bit of boxing. There's a lot going on, guys. You're listening to Fight Night right here on 104.9 The Horn, hornfm.com, and we will be right back. Welcome back to Fight Night on 104.9 The Horn, hornfm.com. That is Eddie. I am Jordan Eddie, that was fun. That was fun talking to Rose Nama Yunus and, uh, and Marius. That was really cool. Uh, it was great. I'm sure it was, and just like we heard from you, it was, it was fun for you to be there. But we got a fight. We've got a women's fight headlining UFC Fight Night 214 this week. This was actually supposed to be Bryce Mitchell versus uh, Evloev, Movsar Evloev. I'm kind of bummed that's not happening, but we've got a pretty good fight in the in the main event now. We've got Marina Rodriguez. She's won quite a few fights in a row. She's coming off wins over Jan Shionan, Mackenzie Dern, uh, Michelle Watterson, Amanda Hibas. Last she lost to Carlos Sparza. that was back in July 2020, versus Amanda Lemos, who's coming off of that win over uh, the Karate Hadi herself, right? And uh, mm-hmm. so that's a, that's a fun, meaningful fight. Uh, Marina Rodriguez is someone, she's got to be up there. We know she's not fighting for the title next, but she is ranked third in the division. So you would think that this win, and knowing that Zhang Wiley and and Carla are fighting later in a few weeks, this has got to be a a number one contenders matchup for her in this fight.
1: Yeah, it is. And especially with what we heard, Rose isn't sure what she's doing next, if she even wants to uh, be uh, up for the title again. So Marina could very well. Be next up if she wants this fight.
2: Uh, Neil Magny versus Daniel Rodriguez in the, in the co-main event. Uh, Magny coming off that loss to Shafkat Rachmanov and Daniel Rodriguez coming off of that win over Lee Jing Lang. And that's kind of, you know, kind of a weird one because that was the fight that was on like last minute. And Rodriguez came in as almost as a middleweight and Lee Jing Lang came in as a welterweight. Uh, and, but, so Daniel Rodriguez, who's a good prospect, I like him. He's fighting uh, Miranda Maverick versus Shayna Young on this fight card. Marco Madsen versus Grant Dawson. So not, not some terrible fights, but we also got some boxing going on as well. Uh, yeah, over in Abu Dhabi,
1: big things happening. Undefeated uh, light heavyweight champ Dimitro, Dimitri Bivol. You remember actually handed Canelo his first loss since Mayweather earlier this year. He's defending his title over in Abu Dhabi against uh, Gilberto Ramirez, who is 44 and 44-0. Also... A former Mexican super middleweight champion, not just in Mexico, Mexican world super middleweight champion. Maybe Avenging uh, Canelo, who knows? Uh, so that'll be a cool one. And then in the uh, co-main event, Chantel Cameron uh, takes on Jessica McCaskill for Cameron's unified uh, super lightweight titles. Cameron's the uh, undisputed world's weight champ, and Cameron is 16 and 0 with eight knockouts. So those two big fights headlining the card in Abu Dhabi.
2: Awesome. Well, stay tuned. Sports guys talking to wrestling. Coming up next, Stu Myrick, Justin Simmons going to get you ready for Crown Jewel and Logan Paul fighting against Roman Reigns. We are proud to be the MMA show of Texas. Tell your friends. Be sure to like and subscribe to the podcast. Follow us at Fight Night ATX on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook.
1: Keep safe. Be nice to each other. Stay positive
2: and love your life. And if we
1: ever didn't, thank you. Let us do it now.
0: Happy trails to you, till we meet again.